opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Return the Jewels. Also, there's explicit language. Welcome, everybody, to the 10th episode of Return the Jewels, uh, the podcast. Uh, today was a good one. Today was a good, uh, so we have a good interview uh, with my friend uh, Mark Teodosio. He uh, created a comic book series called The Realist Bayani, uh, about a Filipino street hero and just a whole fictional world around that and deals with representation, authenticity, you know, deprogramming, uh, the vestigial effects of colonialism, all of that. Uh, definitely check them out. A uh, couple of technical issues. We had um, uh, Mark's connection was a bit, uh, there's a lot of technical difficulties there, so it's a bit choppy. And, um, you know, he's a busy dude putting out a lot of stuff. So we only had a few minutes with him. But uh, after the uh, after the uh, interview, uh, Fani and I did kind of a breakdown and we kind of just reflected on things. But um, you know, and the interview itself was good because we uh, you know, we touched on things about uh, him growing up and just the tone he's establishing with why he's doing uh, what he's doing, and uh, you know, getting into uh, your own cultural identity later on in life, and that's kind of like a pattern we find with a lot of people. Um, first generation that are in uh, this age group, 30s-ish, ish. And, um, but after the interview, we did a good breakdown and uh, Fani and I got a little bit introspective about what we're doing with this podcast and this brand and what we want to do. Um, you know, there's a lot of things to be excited about that we want to do with this. And uh, right now I'm feeling, uh, it feels very daunting I have a lot of anxiety about it, but that's okay because there's a lot of work to be done and there's a lot of good to be done and the work itself is good. So that's really what matters. Um, but, you know, take what you can from this episode. Uh, it was good to just establish this relationship for the viewers with uh, our friend Mark and, you know, try to get into this comic book world. And, um you know, I'm sure the comic book world's got its own issues, and uh, you know, we want to explore those, and uh, we'll have them on again. And you know, maybe we'll get into panels, but uh, we'll figure it out. What was his name? What was your name, bro? Afani. Afani, Afani it's got like you. a PH here. Okay. So we have Mark here today. Oh, Bonnie. It's Bonnie. Bonnie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bonnie and love, yeah. <laughs> um, so we have Mark here. Mark Mark Teodosio, did I say that right? Yep, you did, bro. Thank you. All right, cool. Yeah, because, I mean, I ask every episode. I don't know if you listen to one. I have to ask about the correct pronunciation because, like, it's a thing about if you're uh, a minority in this country that you kind of anglicize your last name to, to, to make it easier for people. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I am in gallery mode. Okay, yeah, yeah, never mind. Whatever. Um, to make it easier for people. So, I mean, I guess uh, you you probably haven't had too many issues with people pronouncing your name, or have you ever had Oh, no, I got called, I got called Tostitos. I got called uh, Tidiosio. Tidiosio? <laughs> What's that, like? They were calling me Tarantino sometimes. <laughs> like Mark Tarantino. I'm like, what? Oh man, that must have been cooler when Kill Bill came out, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> Yo, so okay. So I know we gotta be we gotta be really quick with this one. So uh what um so you create comic books, you rap, and you uh you do a lot of community work in the Filipino community. And so I know that the aim really of the things that you do are not only to give back to the community, but to uplift the community and put it more into a perspective. So like, uh, you know, I know we had a talk before earlier about how like, 
you know, you could say everything about what you do and your, your product and what you write, but like people really looked at like the long form stuff like this for like your tone for the author, the, the artist's tone. So it's like, uh, so could you talk about like, uh, and, and tell me if I'm saying this wrong. So the series is called the realist Bayani. Bayani. Yeah. Bayani. The realist Bayani. And Bayani means hero, right? <laughs> Bayani means hero or national icon. Okay. And so what? And you came up with this when you were how old? Uh, like yesterday, like last year, <laughs> like 2017. For real? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm that. I just wanted. To... See. <laughs> Had you had you done comic stuff before? Oh no, I think we so. Had. I was like, I used to go by Mark Mark. Oh, did we sneeze oh. and like brought us back like how many minutes? <laughs> yeah, no, I think we had like a. It was my sneeze, bro. That's so funny. I I sneezed like the last dragon. <laughs> Yo, that's so funny. I. You sneezed and sent the recording back in time. I had an idea way back, at, way back, way back when for like an Adult Swim type show called Time Gorilla, where he just like throws things in in a fit, but they go back in time and like hit some historical figure and affect the course of history somehow. And like I don't know. Anyways, um, oh, Kong like uh, Donkey Kong. Uh storyline right there yeah just a goofy stuff no, no um yeah no and then his sidekick was gonna be kim jong-un kim Jong. <laughs> so if adult swim if you're listening um no but so the realist bayani it's a a filipino street hero like the I, i've been looking at like i've been looking at the instagram and everything and the way the fans and everyone's talking about it's like this is our first street hero. So I know that uh, representation is a big deal to you. Uh, so like, can you, can you expand on like what that means? Right. Terms, you know? So like, I've been collecting comics since like the nineties, you know what I'm saying? Like 1989, I was in kindergarten. My first comic book was a what if Marvel mm-hmm. book. And, uh, since then, like, I just really, like, was following comics because, like, it was, it was, like, a real thing back in the days. Like, you were collecting basketball cards, you were reading comic books, and you were listening to hip-hop. That's, like, what somewhat of the, the holy trinity of, like, you know, and, and clothes, too. Like, fashion's always up in there. But, um, you know, like, I was collecting comic books for, like, a minute, and then I fell in love with hip-hop. And as time went on, I ended up having a form of my artiste as mark marvel so i was doing a lot of hip-hop but you know i grew up in brooklyn so it wasn't like were you born were you born in brooklyn or were you born in this country nerd rapper yeah i was born in sunset park brooklyn okay yeah you, are you first generation second uh i'm first generation okay so, yeah. okay, so, so first was, generation would be the ones born as from the parents that landed, right? Yeah, like we've we've had a lot of talks about it. It's either I think it's just the first generation that grows up in this country. So it's like even if you immigrate and you're like six years old, you're still first generation, or like it's a whatever. So so the fact that you're first generation informs how you read comic books, right? So like I I I, I know that we we kind of touched on yeah. this before, but like. If you're reading comic books, you're not necessarily relating fully to the characters as maybe your peers, as your white peers might be, right? Relating to the characters because, like, this is not really a representation of me or my cousins, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, did you, did, were you seeking out as a kid? Right, 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 yeah. Like, are you seeking, like, as a kid, how actively are you seeking out brown faces very like you know I, I mean at that time you know you're growing up you're already colonized with the ideas of history and everything like you're already kind of immersed in the white man found america and yeah. you know they tried to be cool with the indians but they couldn't for some reason 
you know, so you kind of learn these vague, you know, how I'm not looking for a brown superhero because the superhero Superman and Batman and right. Spider-Man and Flash, Green Lantern already, all white characters. So you're looking at this, like, that's the heroes. Like, you know, like, I, I never saw a brown hero besides maybe a black hero like Black Panther or like Luke Cage or you know, Storm. Right. What, what kind of effect does that have? Was kind of like one of the first black I saw. Yeah. Washed our entertainment was growing up. He Man, you know, like Thundercats wasn't even like, you know, they wasn't even, they were looking white and it was like, what the hell, Panthro? <laughs> why couldn't they make Panthro like the black? Why is he blue? Like, you know, like, so, like growing up and, and collecting all this stuff, like, you know, as I merged into my own uh, in hip hop, and I went from Marvel, you know, you know, why am I rapping about all these characters where I have to put Philippine Wolverine or like, you know, Filipino Asian Charles Xavier, like, and none of them are matching my genetics. It's like I evolved and said, you know what, I'm not even gonna. I remember somebody saying this, like, it was one of those like trolls kind of guys, like, and he was like. Bro, I just see you capitalizing on Marvel Comics. Make your own shit. And uh, next thing you know, I made the realest Bayani. And I was no longer Mark Marvel it. anymore. And I be I took my actual name, Mark Teodosho, because I felt like it's time for legacy. It's time for, you know, uh like the professionalism of authorship versus, you know, hey, I rap. You know, it's like I right, nah. I'm me now. Now I'm who my father set me out to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, there's a lot of power in that. I, I talked to Fani about that a lot before, about, like, how he should just start his own... He needs to start his own Twitter, even as, like, a small step, because there's a, there's that thought of, like, when you're growing up and when you're, like, become mature and coming into your own, it's, like, correspondence from the desk of, you know? It's, like, this is this is my desk, and... The communications that come out of here and come into here, I am accountable for all of those. You know, like everything that goes right. in, my word is only as good as it can be. And so if I have this structure and I'm pushing out information and receiving information and you know the name that's on it, you know, it's not some pseudonym. Because I'm Brooklyn Santa on social media and everything. So even then there's like that. You know, yeah, so. word. I would have never expected Brooklyn Santa to be a, a, in, are you Indian, right? Yeah, yeah. To be yeah, an Indian yeah. kid. I would have never thought that. Like, what the hell? Who's this? <laughs> this is Brooklyn Santa? Like, I, I, on Instagram, I see it. <laughs> right, right. And then that, that's a whole thing. Like, right. you know, and we met at the, um, at one of these, uh, at one of these events, markets, so, uh, a Filipino market for food Barcada market. Market, market. Yeah, Project Barcada. And they, and that was a, that's like, I love what they do because, you know, they're, they're pulling together different artists and food vendors and everything and creating a vibe and really just like solidifying the Filipino community in New York. And I, I think that, you know, what's that important about that, right? Like what's so super important about that is that it's the timing, the timing, um, the timing right now. East Coast, yeah, the timing, the team, uh, like we're talking about, like the Filipino demographic, yeah. we weren't as united before this, but the food movement united like a lot of people, like that yeah. brought out a lot of other aspects of the culture. So, like for myself being in the mix, like it's crazy because growing up, I never had Filipinos around me. I was raised with Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Mexicans, you know, in Sunset, it's like sub Latin America. So I'm raised with them, and it's like I didn't even have an identity. I'm like. They were calling me Chino, you know what I'm saying? And I was oh, like, wow. And, and it's like, nah, that's, you know, hot, you know, until Pacquiao came out, that was the only way I could solidify where I came from. You know, before Pacquiao, there was really no Filipino representation. Like, I mean, we had like Ernie Reyes, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, you know, and, and who else was there? A uh, Rufio, right? Peter Pan. Rufio. Um, he was Filipino. Prince Zuko. <laughs> yeah, he's Filipino. Yeah. Um, and, and the representation was was vague. It wasn't strong. It wasn't announced. You know, like today, like, like Wakanda was, had a, you know, the scenes. 
and the, and the designer also made Baby Groot, you know, and, and they highlighted it like, yo, a Filipino guy added his cultural influence to Wakandan, you know, like the girls, like the tattoos, all those styles, originally yeah. Filipino, like, or, or, or inspired by Filipino culture. I don't want to say because African were also right. indigenous and tribal and based on tattoos and war paint and stuff. So, you know, we, we all connect. But in the timing right now, what I'm saying is in the timing, I feel like it's all brown, black, all, all people that come from children of the sun, right? Of this right. Like melanin, that, that, that one chemical in us that, you know, uh, Caucasians lack. And it's like, all right, we all have this. So what's up with that? Like, what's up right. with that survival instinct under the sun? Like, what's, what is up with this secret chemical inside of our bodies that's charged by the sun and, and other aspects of that nature? Like, there's a lot of things that need to be unlocked genetically just through melanin alone. Right. You know, that's, that's a crazy signature inside of us as a species. But um, the timing I said wasn't just the food. It was more like a spiritual tribe thing. So now if you look at a lot of the Filipinas, the females, they're yeah. really in tune with Sorry, we're breaking up. Uh... Uh, with practices, they've studied like, you know, the aspects of stones, Staten Island. Yeah, <laughs> I got like the, the whole last part of that just <laughs> jumbled. Facts, <laughs> facts. They don't they don't want me to share our progress as a people. You're, you're like, speaking let's, too dangerously. <laughs> let's pirate his let's pirate their frequencies. So <laughs> we're getting colonized so like the, right now. <laughs> like the women, the women of the Filipinos are are, are very empowering, like very empowering and yeah. focused too. They're so focused. Um, in, in the spiritual aspects, like the men, I, I'm not going to say much for them, but we're really in the arts. You'll notice us yeah. as painters, you know, clothing, yeah. fashion people, break dancers, producers like Illmind, you know, uh, the art of language, Joe Coy. Joe Coy is dominating in the comedian as in the yeah. field, you know, Jabawaki's in the dance realm. Um, and, you know, Miss Universe, let's get it. You know what I'm saying? Filipina, Panay, you know, so the power of the Filipino tribe is reemerging and it's yeah. and and we're speaking against the oppression of lost identity, the diaspora of the people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean that's kind of like that's kind of like the aim of what we want to do here. And you know, right now it's just a podcast or whatever. But it's like, you know, when we think about return the jewels, you know, the 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 thought that's getting really popular now is that like everything you see in a museum is stolen, <laughs> right? Facts, facts, yeah, right. that's, that's dope. All the crown jewels, stolen. All the wealth that is speculated based on, the, the speculated wealth based off of the existence of the crown jewels being in possession, stolen. Like all of that, and yeah. so it's not just physical, what, like it's not just material wealth, you know, if you think about that, there's like, think about all the mental properties and and uh, intellectual properties that were probably like, you know, taken. Appropriation is really a thing. Like, why is appropriation a thing now? You know, it's been a thing since the beginning of time. The Romans were biting every single culture they conquered, taking little pieces of it, even yeah. all the way down to Christianity. All the way down to Christianity. They stole Christianity from a pagan. They had a pagan pantheon before. They Ooh. stole from the Greeks. Mm -hmm. You know, and after they took over the Greek Empire or whatever, you know, the, the Christians were a problem. You know, they were, and they were a faction that followed after the Messiah, you know, supposedly. You know, not everyone believes that, but it was, he was a prophet that spoke and said, there's self-savior. There's a God inside you. And, you know, it's all and every century and tapping into yeah and every century his skin got a little lighter yeah facts <laughs> and he and, and his hair got a little bit more finer per yeah. plus herbal essence jesus <laughs> bleaching can't cream. believe can't believe it's not butter jesus <laughs> yo you know what i think is is strange you know how people are so convinced right in their religion and whatever and they're just like this is the way 
um, there we we know in literature and and collectively we know that everybody in the world or whatever believed in Mount Olympus before. Like that was the way before, you know. So right. it's like, so it's like maybe maybe take take these things with a grain of salt, like. <laughs> but but if there was any oh, no. ancient religions that were dated Hinduism, you know, like all of that stuff was also a knowledge that was you know opened up into the Philippines with the rajas. The you know there was Indian royalty, you know, crossing over. And they were having, they had islands too, you know? And you'll see a lot of Filipinas or Filipinos that somewhat have Indian features, you know, because yeah. of the royalty that landed out there, you know? Um, you'll see a lot of history like that. But it's, it's all, it's all like, Philippines is like a melting pot. We're like Asian, Spanish, and, and African. So it's like so crazy. It's like, you know, I, I didn't even have that much pride in my, in, uh, being Filipino until I wrote the realist Bayani and needed to really tap into the motherland. You but know? that was only I, a I was couple like, years ago. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so what was that? So what was what caused that? Blooming, but it was worth it because. Oh no! Did we pause again? Just uh, just right, like. First of all, I live in Europe, like, well, I'm not there every day. Am I back? Wait, wait. Yes. Okay. <laughs> right. Oh, is it? It's seven. It's, uh, I got two more minutes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah we got to be real quick. So, so I was going to say, yeah. so, so I was just going to end it. Uh, so it was, it was really just like um, what caused it was the, ne the necessity of sharing knowledge. And it can't be false and it can't be like, it can't be a. Culture, like it has to be authentic, true history. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, because, and I think I think to close out, uh, we kind of had funny, and I kind of had a similar thing in our thirties. Just like yo, we've been denying our culture and our cultural identity for so long, and why? Because we grow up. It, we're, we're like other eyes and we're made fun of. Yeah, there's no reason yeah. for it, right? There's you no guys reason. are South Pacific. You guys are South Pacific uh, <laughs> Asians too. Yeah, like, dude, we're all a melting pot. And it's just like, yo, skin, mm -hmm. and, fa skin and features and all this Same stuff. box as me. Yeah. But I mean, the yeah. The Brown Brothers. But uh, anyways, yeah, I know, I know time was really tight. We appreciate you coming on for a minute. We'll do this again. When yeah, uh, we can set it up proper, right, and and do more work into it, but but thank you for coming on and giving us just a little bit of your time. And we like, like I said, you know, we want to have these cool conversations and talk more about the comic book world because I know that shit is mad racist, man. Like, <laughs> like looking at it now as an adult, it's like, yo, why do all the white people have square jaws and all the villains have ethnic features? <laughs> Yeah, 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 definitely. Star Star Wars too. Star Wars did the same thing, you know. But but yeah, it's um, another combo. They're scared <laughs> of the dark side. That's what it is. They're scared of the dark, dark side. side. <laughs> Yo, love. Yo, um, Mark. Pani, we're definitely gonna chop it up again, brothers. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, hit me up whenever. I'll come take pics. You know. Let's get for sure, for sure, brother. All right, man. Keep inspiring, empowering, and correcting all the stuff that needs correction, bro. Yes, sir. You too. God's all good. right. I'll see you. All right. Peace. All right. Peace. Okay, so that was uh, that was Mark. We only had like we only had a few minutes with him. He's a very busy man. I mean, the dude creates comic books. He raps. He does a lot of things. You should look him up. Uh, we put his info there. But the series is called the realist the realist Bayani. Uh, his name is Mark Teodosio. Uh, Mar uh, Mark Marvel is the, the hip-hop name, which we talked about for a second. Uh, Fani was there the whole time, and so right now I've got him here with us. Uh, and I guess we're just going to, like, talk about what we tried to talk about, because uh, his connection was... He's out in Staten Island, so the connection wasn't really that good. Um, that's, that, he said that. I'm, I'm just repeating what he said. 
but uh <laughs> right no i think it was like a scheduling conflict but yeah it was a good quick conversation and i think we hit on a lot of uh important stuff like especially with the appropriation and you know how philippines being a melting pot and how he didn't really find his cultural identity until much recently growing up in sunset park in brooklyn right. um especially in the latin community you know, being referred to as just like being Chinese when he didn't really have somebody to connect with and show his identity until like, you know, Manny Pacquiao came on the scene and, you know, then it was like, oh, there's no, that's crazy. I was going to say like, like, think about that because, you know, I'm I'm always focused on the South Asian stuff or whatever. So Mm -hmm. like our first representation was uh, uh, Cal Penn pretty much or our generations. So it's like, it's like uh, Manny Pacquiao was their Kumar. Yeah, basically, right? That's basically, like huge, yeah. Right, and, and like mean, this dude's on top of the world, of course, you know, of course, whether you like whatever his political beliefs or whatever may be, of course, the people that look like him and that, you know, have the same cultural history are going to rock with him. Like that's, that's the thing about, that's the other side of representation that I don't think people really take too much account into right mm-hmm. like when people are branding they think oh you're just being a token or 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 oh you're just trying to uh, do lip service to diversity but it's also like there's real good like power like good uh, in in representation in that you can mobilize people and that like young people like mark seeing manny pacquiao on the world stage can have a thought in his head like such a grand thought of i'm going to create my own comic book world and he did right like right he was he was he talked about it for a second in the interview about making um making like spoofs of of marvel characters like the filipino superman the filipino batman someone and someone was trolling him and was just like why don't you make your own comic book world and um which is a crazy thing to say too, right? I mean, you don't, like, we haven't been conditioned to think that we can have people from our culture be heroes also. I mean, you know, we're always looked upon mm-hmm. uh, culturally anyway as being inferior or, you know, compared to the other superheroes that you see in comic books today. Like, you don't, you don't, you don't see like an Asian Batman there's no yeah. such thing as no, like and a, that's the thing like we even talked about that for a minute like when he's growing up you know he's just like oh yeah these are the heroes aquaman superman batman right these are just the heroes the white dudes but it's like you don't think about that and he's like he was touching on the thought of like melanin being the thing that unites us and it's like what is this thing that what is this element the secret chemical in us that's supercharged by the sun i think that's a really dope thought yeah, that was super, right, super like, on like, point. I like, think he could pull out like a real cool uh, fantasy comic thing from that. Because I mean, that's that, really cool. That's like something that, like, I mean, I never thought about it until he said it, but it is something that unites us. It's like it we're is, like right, the like Sun Warrior. Intersectionality, but it just so happens that intersectionality is runs on the opposite spectrum of the racism color swatch you know what i mean right so it's like intersectionality comes with more melanin and racism comes with more melanin true <laughs> <laughs> but um one thing i wanted to get into and you know we're definitely going to have mark back or and you know we want to get into like doing panels and stuff with this and like maybe talk to other comic book creators and we absolutely want to have Mark on that to talk about his shit because I mean just for the few minutes we had him on and him running us through like you know the like his history of colonization in different places and how like just the mixing especially like in the Philippines and how uh gender is kind of flipped with yeah, he he really touched on like so many different things that but we just need to, so like... quickly because he, he only had like two minutes. And yeah, I feel bad because like you know, to the two people that watch this, you guys have been uh, trained to have like an hour and a half of interview. But uh, you know that we're gonna have him on again. But like he did touch on a lot of things, and you know we'll link literature and stuff. Uh, to and that's another. Episode. That's another thing he did mention was the food 
uh, yeah. bringing people together, especially the Filipino food movement and how um, he incorporates that even into his comics that, that I thought was a very interesting aspect of his um, narrative because yeah. it's something that he that just came about in the past couple of years uh living I mean, in new york city we met we met through a food food event through the market pop-up market that was done right. Project yeah. Barcada, yeah and it's like the food is the thing that unites you don't know who's an artist who's a who's a consumer who's who and just but for our like, viewers i mean do you want to talk a little bit more about that how was that experience okay yeah yeah so i'll just uh, i'll talk about how we came to this episode uh, so we're on episode 10, um, which is kind of cool. So, you know, thank you for supporting us all the way. Um, we've got to 10 episodes. It's kind of cool. Uh, but like, you know, my group of friends or whatever that we've been booking mostly is just like comedians. And I've been trying to branch out because I'm just generally very curious about different um, professions and different um how people navigate their different professions and just like what they're thinking because I'm always trying to think about what other people are thinking. And mm -hmm. so I really want to know about the comic book world because I had like a, a tweet the other day. I was just thinking about something. I had a thought that came to my head and I was like, Bruce Wayne probably believes in phrenology. And you know, right. you know what phrenology is like that racist pseudoscience where they study the shape of skulls. Mm -hmm. And that's how they say that people are inferior of different races because they don't have mental capacity or whatever. It's some dumb shit. And I was thinking, Bruce Wayne, yeah, Bruce Wayne probably believes in that. He, you know, billionaire, I'm sure, like his family has Holocaust money. Yeah, like it's the court of owls. They're all rich billionaire white families. You know, Bruce is indoctrinated into that. Uh, he's probably homeschooled. You know, Alfred himself is suspect. So it's like, of course, Bruce Wayne probably believes in phrenology. He does his thing. And then so I tweeted that out. And, um, you know, our but how friend, does that how uh, does that work, though? Because he did go to like Asia and like, you know, learn all this super, you know, like, yeah, yeah, he went to Asia like he went to Asia like a lot of rich white people go to Asia. <laughs> safari. <laughs> he went on safari, but like. Yeah, he trained with Razo Ghul. Of course, that dude's probably got some like thoughts on eugenics and all of that stuff. But like, I put that tweet out there, and then my friend, uh, he like he retweeted it with an excerpt from something from Marvel, and he's like, "Yeah, Marvel is like this too, where you know they got some racist practices, and it's just kind of suspect because you think about it, like the DC illustrators, and I touched on this at the end of the interview earlier, are like." Uh, the heroes, they're all white. They all have square jaws, justice faces, right? Uh, mm -hmm. The villains all have beady ethnic eyes like me. You know what I mean? Right. And like, <clears throat> I've always wondered that. And so it's like, you know, even me wanting to like go to Comic-Con when I was a kid and just like, oh yeah, what character could I dress up as? Oh. Uh... <laughs> There's nothing really there. And I'm sure Mark if, like, go, has gone through a lot of that stuff as a kid, you know. And the fact that he said what really stuck with me from this interview was the fact that he said he really got into his identity stuff only a few years ago when he made this character. It's only new. This is all very new. And, you know, they he exceeded his Kickstarter goals, you know, the um, – the community is really rocking with him and like Comic-Con, like this dude is on the rise because he's building a movement, you know, the character he made, the world that he's building and making, the, the fictional world for his character is bigger than him. Right. You know? and so it's not about his name or whatever. It's about the community itself. And that's reflected in his work, right? So like, yeah, I met him at the Project Barcada thing. It was like the Halloween pop-up market in Jackson Heights. And, um, you know, I was just taking pictures because I'm rolling with my friend, Chef Harold, who we had an episode two. Um, mm -hmm. He's a new, he's a new uh, 
on-air talent chef for uh, Bon Appetit magazine and all that stuff. So he's like, he's getting a lot of looks and his personality is finally getting a big platform to, uh, to shine through because he's got a lot of personality, right? So, right. but anyways, we're doing this, um, we were at this market, I met Mark, all this stuff, but like the sense of community is wild right everyone's filipino they have all these stalls from the different restaurants so people from the restaurants are there working and you know the, the lines are insane in a pandemic right mm-hmm. the lines are insane and uh and it's not just chefs that are at the stalls right it's people like mark that are you know creatives there's djs there's artists everyone they're, they're selling their wares but they're also you know energizing the community i'm sure they're like setting up different relationships and business whatever's for later you know it, it, it's there's really a reward in building and energizing a community especially if you grow up feeling like you've been not part of one Right. We touched on this for just a second, but like, yeah, being made fun of or whatever and otherized as a kid, we don't really like to talk about our ethnic stuff because there's, you know, whatever. No, I don't want to say trauma, but, you know, being stigmatized in the past, that's going to make us apprehensive now uh, than doing anything. But then you got like people doing yoga, selling turmeric lattes for eight dollars, you know all that ethnic stuff we've denied even talking about or doing other people have created whole markets out of because they don't have that internalized stigma growing up. Right. So the, what Mark represents is something I believe is very incredible because he is taking back this market for his community yeah absolutely um you know there's a filipino street hero the food is authentic that they eat in the comic right the language they use the different everything is authentic but it's born out of a like yo i am portraying this and i'm giving information to the masses right like what i wanted to ask and, and you can talk on this is like, cause we've been having this conversation for a little bit now, but like the younger you, right. Mm-hmm. The younger 15 year old Fani, right. Being shown these two different comics, one with like a whole, an Indian superhero and like the language and all this stuff and like Batman, right. You're probably gonna grab. You, sure, you'll you'll like the Batman thing because everyone's got those toys. But what do you think it will be within that 15 year old you that compels you to want the other comic? As opposed to going for the Batman, I yeah. think the newest Batman, the brand newest Batman, that's very hot item. You know, that's a very interesting point, and I don't, I don't want to say, you know, like it's. I might it would, pick the Batman. Anybody would pick the Batman, me, you know, like. 15-year-old me, I'd probably pick the Batman, and I'd feel like shit about it as 33-year-old me in retrospect. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was just, it's, it's hard to, because. At, at that age, you also want to just be, you know, a part of that crowd. And at that point in time, we didn't really have any good representation. We still don't. Um, but if you're asking whether I'd go back in time and if there was a Filipino hero, such as the realist Bayani, I mean, that thing looks dope as hell. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah, it does by the way it really um, does the artwork is great it, you, these guys yeah so i would probably pick you know like the realist bayani like if i had the option but there was no good other character there was no i mean there's no like the 
the one thing Indian about Indian supernatural character or South Asian supernatural character that we ever had was Dal Sin. And the only guy, right. the only the guy, the guy only had three words in his vocabulary: fire, flame, and yoga. And he wasn't exactly a superhero. Like, let's be honest, he was just no. A... no he was he was basically the same. He was basically Amrish Puri from Temple of Doom. <laughs> Again, they might as well have made him eat monkey brains. They might as well have made Dalsim eat monkey brains. Dude, imagine there was like a Amrish Puri like. Like superhero figure, like uh, Amrish Puri was a superhero. I should actually read more about him because I, from what I remember, when he was alive, that he was like uh, he was like a very philanthropic. But I could be wrong. He could have been a complete asshole. He played a lot of villains because he definitely had that villainy vibe. Yeah, for sure. I think he was also like one of Spielberg's like favorite villains like or something i read That's somewhere incredible yeah um, and then george lucas is just like what do indians eat monkey brains cool yeah <laughs> let's do that <laughs> sure that won't stick with their kids <laughs> kids won't make fun of brown kids about eating monkey brains <laughs> when in reality yeah. they're all vegetarian <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, like, you, I wasn't having this conversation with you. I was having this conversation, a conversation with Gabe Pacheco, my friend. He's a comedian. We're going to have him on uh, eventually about how, like, you know, initially with representation, you always get these first few, you know, things that aren't so super authentic right? It's just like fan service, right? And people are like, oh, they're tokens, they're tokens. But the conversation we're having, it was like, you've got to probably, that needs to exist so that you can develop nuance out of it, right? So the fact that Mark growing up can't even be identified in his peer group as Filipino because there's not that much personal representation around him, Mm -hmm. right and they say oh you're Chinese just the fact that that is the case means that he knowing that has to overcorrect around this age around our age in our 30s and lean into learning his identity because you grow up being denied it yeah, right? I mean, not like I guess not just even denied it, but just well. First, there's a couple problems, right? One, you don't even know like what your identity really is, because you just want to fit in with everybody that's around you. So you're automatically like just trying to relate to different cultures that's around you, and you can't even identify with some of the like you know like the racial slur of him being like a Chinese person like that just doesn't even make sense in the first place but it forces you to think about um you know like how ridiculous that whole idea is that we grow up in this culture where we're in the one place in the world this is Brooklyn we're talking about so, like, imagine growing up outside somewhere, like, in some Midwest location where there isn't even like, that many, like, Chinese people. Like, I grew up, you know, like, in a place where at least there were a few Indian people around, you know? In uh, so, Alabama? No, I didn't grow up in Alabama. I grew up in Michigan. I was in Alabama, like, my senior year of high school. Oh. And, like, yeah, then I was, like, the only Indian kid around, which was very weird and different but yeah i mean (laughs) (laughs) but i mean even when i first moved here like from india itself it it was hard for me to relate to the indian people here growing up because they grew up so different from like what i was used to yeah no i mean we we both met when uh, i was 18 you were like 17 yeah i think and yeah and we had we, we didn't really relate well 
because like I didn't I didn't grow up with like the same kind of stuff that you know you like the TV shows you're watching or like yeah. even like the comic book world or like the video games and stuff like I remember um you know like the first time I played like Super Mario Brothers or something like I just and I still today to this day suck at, like, <laughs> <laughs> like suck at playing video games yeah but like yeah um you know because with that immigrant mentality you just like kind of taught to like stay away from stuff like that's extraneous to your like learning or whatever and yeah you know um yeah that's something i could i wish i could have talked to him more about but we will uh just like because he was saying in the culture you know the 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 filipino women really hold it down in terms of like business and stuff and the men are more like artistic artistic yeah right because because like in our culture kind of it's like the room for artisticness and creativity is not it's not so much supported you know like yeah. it's it's praised but not supported no absolutely and that definitely not by the average like indian person i mean if you're coming from like a family that's been performing in the arts and stuff then yeah you definitely get that support but otherwise you know you're you kind of forced to think in terms of practicality as opposed to like ideals and dreams and stuff you know like how and especially if you're an immigrant or like a first generation kid like your parents just force this idea of security on you like you know like do something where you can make a living out of and pursuing the arts isn't exactly on the table because it's considered more of like a luxury type of thing like you have to have we talked about this we're like growing up you know as when you're a kid people ask you it's like what do you want to be when you grow up you know what i'd always say what financially secure did you yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) we did what do you want to be when you grow up financially secure like I still haven't grown up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you had your you had your chance to be that, but I think you're just, you know, like naturally gravitating towards a different calling entirely. Towards my never landing. Yeah. Never land. But, uh, I'm on. I'm on that. I had a. What was it? It's like the problem with uh, like never landing. You know what I mean by that? Like never yeah. land. Uh, like, like the Peter Pan. Peter Pan syndrome. Yeah, yeah, they never grow up. It's like so. It's like the problem with never landing so much is that you never land. And it's like, oh, is that corny? That's kind of corny. But I mean, you know what? Like, though, if you like, if you could really have, the way I see it is, there's two there's two ways to have this problem, right? You could have the problem you're having right now, and or you could have the problem where you've done everything and you're financially secure but you just like hate your life. Like you absolutely drudge going into work. You don't, you know, you're just, you don't, you're in like this just toxic like mentality where it's just like, what am I doing? Like, what did I even want to do? And then like trying to find yourself, but like not being able to, you know, even do that because if you're, an average Indian person at that age group, you already have kids and like, you're already like struggling to like get them on their feet and stuff. And, you know, like if you take a step back and you look at those two different situations, like I think the place you're in is actually kind of dope to be in because you still have a lot of room to grow as opposed to like, you already like got to a certain place and then you don't even know if you can go forward because you can't go forward anymore without moving like a hundred steps back. And yeah, that's something like you don't even know what forward is. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, without being too cryptic, I think uh, if anybody's listening or watching, we're kind of talking about the creative direction of this podcast slash brand, you know, it's like, uh, you know, we've been, we've been, we've been, I guess, what do you call them? Internal strategy meetings that we've been having a lot. 
and just trying to figure out like you know what we want to do with this you know i want to take this into more of like because these conversations are very heady and very heavy or they're turning out to be they're not so lighthearted as i thought they would be initially and i think that we could um well, I mean, did you really ever think they would be like, we were talking kind about, of, I mean, like, you know, like we're just getting comedians on initially, like my friends are comedians, we got banter because we're friends, but like, you know, yeah, these conversations are getting really heady and heavy. I listen to the things over these episodes over again, and I do feel like a sense of like existential dread about the kind of things that we talk about. And then, you know, what we're lacking in our brand is a call to action, you know, and the thing is between you and me, we won't, you know, we won't create a call to action for anything unless, you know, we're, unless it's truly grounded in substantiated in research and like, we really believe in the thing we're calling to action for. So, but this podcast like the thought process has always been not even with the podcast, but just in these conversations in general that I've actively been trying to have for years is that we need to decode coded language, you know, Mm -hmm. language is precision. People weaponize their rhetoric. People weaponize bad logic. And maybe this is kind of a place for us to like explore all those avenues of logic that people use in bad faith and just kind of like contextualize it in from the point of view of melanated peoples, you know, it's just kind of like, because you never get that point of view, you know, you see a lot of melanin on screen but it's not a lot of melanin that drives the dialogue of that, you know? So it's like, you know, Mark was kind of touching on that because it's like, you want to see more with the representation. You want to see more behind the scenes stuff, right? And it's not just behind the scenes stuff when it comes to like production or directors or writers. No, it's more about framing, right? framing different arguments, framing how different, you know, marginalized communities are perceived because perception is the thing that drives action, right? So if we, you know, if we flip pejorative language, you know, either take ownership or flip it, then it's like we are actively reworking the programming gone into otherizing people. So that's just kind of like how I'm, how I think about what we could do with this podcast. You know, we have these long form conversations. I know we got to start making like a newsletter, stuff like that. And, you know, we really got to like, I don't know. I just have a lot of anxiety because I know that the road is long and daunting. And I just need to know like what basket to put these eggs in. I think it's in terms of, you know, whenever we're going to have a conversation about what it means to be a first generation American of immigrant parents or an immigrant itself, these are going to be heady discussions. We're not going to be, you know, getting into like light material and it's not too off-brand to say you know like it's still thought-provoking in the sense that just based on the conversation we had today like what does it mean for even like let's say why isn't there an Indian superhero what like how does that make you feel like you know like should there be one like does it like does it kind of make you feel like oh like maybe I could come up with something you know like we have all these you know like mythological stories 
that come from the past and you know there's so many cultural references even in india itself that allude to super human powers that i think filtered into a lot of comic book heroes um yeah 100%. You know? But I mean, we don't. Shit, not even but, comic book heroes in our movie fiction. Legend of Bag of Ants. Bag of Ants is Krishna, right? Yeah, like a lot of that comes from the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. Like I know, because I think. Um, not that guy. That's shit. No, that's Stephen Stephen Pressfield is the guy that wrote that, and he actually references the Bhagavad Gita a lot. Um, you know, like one of his yeah. maxims that he uses is, "You're entitled to the." To the work, not the fruits of the work that you do. And I think just that mentality itself is like kind dharma. of like, yeah, it's dharma, like a superhuman dharma, dharma. kind of trait to have. It's a way of thinking about the world, but it's not. Like, I don't. I don't have that much anxiety about like the direction we're going in because I'm kind of proud that we have this platform to discuss these issues that no one's yeah. talking about so intensely now. But I mean, you know, we're yeah, you want to know something funny. What? Um, when I so when this idea started, right? When I made the logo and all the stuff, I would show it to people. Mm-hmm. Everyone brown, black, you know, Asian, whatever instantly oh because you see the queen with the criminal bar my white friends were like oh that's so cool it's like sex pistols but like what does it mean yeah and so like every time without fail that's what it was it was like oh huh maybe there's yeah there's something to it yeah i'm proud too i'm proud that we, we have this that we're talking about these things nobody really does talk about. I mean, we do talk about them, but we don't. You know, it's not a mainstream thing to talk about, you know, because it's like anytime you try to broach these kind of conversations, they get kind of um, minimized with different logical fallacies and trolling tactics, right? You know, it's just like gaslighting, whatever, whatever. But just like different ways to tell you, like, oh, these things that you're talking about in these conversations about race, microaggressions, whitewashing, all this stuff is not necessarily real, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's like when you can have these conversations with other first generation people or other people that grew up and then just kind of pull out like, oh, shit, we got analogous experiences. Huh. Why is that? Can't be the melanin. I'm just kidding, obviously. <laughs> And now, uh, melanin, melan, uh, melanated analogs. No, that's dumb. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely a track that I want to keep pursuing, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we're only on episode ten. Plus, we're still finding our voice, and like we're, you know, it's not. I'm really excited though about those panels. Like I want to, by panels, I mean like discussion panels. Like, like for instance, episode two, we had Chef Harold on and we talked about uh, the Brigadier's Brigade, Brigadier system, mm-hmm. Escoffier system, uh, where it's like, uh, you know, fine dining, the, uh, it's got a military hierarchy in the kitchen. And that, the existence of that and like the, uh, using of that has like marginalized black or brown people cooks or whatever and let let different ethnic foods and different uh, cultures be appropriated through fine dining because of this military system so like something like that if we do like a panel with other chefs and kind of like you know just like moderate it i guess and like get you know help guide the discussion and just try to like log the data about those kind of things you know, I, I, I would see, I would, I'm like excited about going in that kind of direction with this thing because it's like, you know, we don't necessarily just have, have to have panels of just chefs, you know, like we could have a panel of comic book creators like Mark. You know, we have a, a panel of comedians, like a few of the different guests we've had, 
you know, just talking about different things in the industry and uh, representation, because we do circle back around to representation a lot, you know, but like um, different things like I want to get doctors. I got access to mad doctors. I'm pretty sure you got access to mad finance people. So like, you know, we could those be two different panels, like things like that. That That's kind of what excites me about what this brand is. The work is daunting. Uh, we just set up a Patreon, but I mean, I'm not going to push that until like I put a lot more stuff in it. But there is a donation mechanism there at our Patreon. Just look up Return of the Jewels. <laughs> I think it's patreon.com slash Return of the Jewels. It might not be, but you could probably Google it. But it, there's definitely a donation mechanism there. But I'm not going to push it. But not until we have like <laughs> exclusive content for them. But if you want to donate, you know, there is a donation mechanism there. Um, just saying. Uh, but yeah, no, like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just have like anxiety about how we like grow this and get this out there. And, you know, I want to get bigger guests. You know, I want to have these like, uh, like, I love, I appreciate all the guests we have. And they're my friends and I know them in person. But it's like, you know, I want to get like, I want to, I want to crack the brains of, of people who are making, like, who are framing issues. You know, I want to know how they think. And I want the people that listen to this to get insight into how people think, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I would have loved this when I was a 20-year-old. To, I would I would have sopped up all these episodes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean... We'll get there, I think, hopefully. But uh, it's also more just like not just like bigger guests, but just guests that are doing even, you know, like normal kind of jobs and stuff, but like how growing up here shaped their current situation and where they are yeah. um, and how they feel about the future of yeah. their like kids and how how they want to groom their kids to function in society or are they allowing them like one of something that I always think about is you know going into like the second generation and stuff do you do you afford the second generation more freedom for like creative endeavors and stuff like you I had a thought today that like uh being jaded is a privilege of the second generation and beyond. So, so first generation, we don't necessarily get to be jaded because we kind of have to figure out our way, right? Like the immigrant generation, they survive, right. right? They make sure to set up a nest egg for the first generation, right? And, and help support the first generation achieve what they want but the first generation has to do a lot of like thinking like the creative thinking about like what different things to do right that's why it's like the immigrant generation wants the first generation to be doctors and whatever because the thinking has already been done mm-hmm. you know you you have a path right so a lot of the crazy creativity comes out of the first generation because it's an active rejection of those set forward paths because those come from a mentality of survival right so we've got a mentality of rebellion and creativity what is the mentality of second generation right so i think that the second generation is probably more prone to being jaded about things taking more things for granted right maybe not necessarily picking up on microaggressions and different different racial undertones of things as easily but uh you know I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe being jaded is a privilege of the second generation and beyond. It's an interesting thought. But that's probably where we should end the episode. Um, I mean, we've gone on. We had a short interview on this one, but you know, we're still figuring out our voice. We really do. Uh, I really appreciate that. You know, we could get we could get Mark on. You know, that was great because you know, I I really wanted to know that thing like. Like, it really does kind of bug me uh, about comic books, you know? And so it's, like, just to know that there are people out there that are, you know, uplifting their communities and being authentic and doing real work to push the needle forward in terms Mm -hmm. of representation is uplifting. 
and um, you know, yeah, more people should try to do that kind of thing. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think people should definitely check out his comic, The Realist Bayani. Yeah, really dope artwork, and it's like a crazy cool concept. Um, and um, and contributing artists too. He's starting yeah. a movement. Absolutely. So. Anyways, dope. Uh, I'm going to end this episode. You got anything you want to say? No, thanks for, you know, like, I guess having Mark on. It was, I wish we can get him on for longer. You got any, uh, um, you got any introspection feedback for <laughs> 10 episodes? I think we just gave our introspection <laughs> feedback. <laughs> That's the answer I wanted. <laughs> That's right. We keep things tight here. <laughs> All right. Uh, cool. Peace.